everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of Above the Fold, powered by Brafton. It is the season one finale for Jeff and I. Um, as you guys all know, Jeff is your data guy, I'm Francis, your creative guy, and we have 18 episodes under the belt for season one of Above the Fold. Uh, as always, all of them are uh, in iTunes, so feel free to check out the back catalog now. Rate, leave a review, um, and you should all know that we will be back for season two um, by mid-Jan. Mid-Jan or maybe even late-Jan, depending on whenever the hangover finally escapes <laughs> Jeff and I. Um, <laughs> Jeff, the finale. We made it. 18, man. 18 Eight, episodes. 18 episodes, man. That's It honestly kind of snuck up on me. How about you? It did? Yeah. No, me too. I'm, over, I'm always shocked what we uh, got beyond one. I was listening to the first episode again recently, and um, even in that one, you and I were saying, I have no idea what's going to happen, and who knows, this could be the only one we do. <laughs> I was and, uh, <laughs> I was just yeah. thinking to myself of, of like major differences, and I was, I was trying to come up with something positive, but really the only two things that came to mind is we swear more, and we give less <laughs> good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's actually valid. You can see it in the timeline of uh, you know it's fine, and then explicit, explicit, explicit. With yeah, the uh, with the episode, <laughs> it's it's like a perfect de-evolution. It's it's a perfect regression <laughs> of two minds. <laughs> uh, at least uh, at least we're honest. Um, I do feel the need um, to kind of explain why we're going with seasons because, as, as some of you might know, some podcasts keep going some podcasts will um you know just have an ongoing almost like all never-ending scroll of episodes and you never feel like it's ever going to end or whatever i personally am a big fan of the idea of seasons i mean i binge watch a lot anyway so it's kind of part of my my lexicon even when i talk about the history of brafton i refer to that as seasons you know in season one through three brafton felt like this season four and so on. I like the idea of things ending. I like the idea of, of bookending certain things. I like how season one could have a different feel versus season two. So that's why Jeff and I decided to kind of um, have this in as, as seasons. Um, also, it's easier, I guess, probably for Jeff and I to organize it too. So that's more of a... Let's be honest. We need else. a break. We need, need just a couple, <laughs> need a, need a couple of weeks to hole off, drink a lot of <laughs> way, way too much beer, cider, whatever the hell you're into. and, and uh, uh, That's true. Kind of not doing it. But I mean, I, th- I think this first season, we learned a lot of things that are that are good, some things that are bad, some things that we learned that are good. Um, it's really cool to have to get have guests on and do like a non-traditional format of just doing what we do, talking about themes, stuff that's really, like, really topical or relevant to that um, person that we're interviewing and just have them join the conversation. You know, as opposed to doing the, hey, where are you from? And where, what's your background? <laughs> so, you know, you, you listen to these folks, they, um, a lot of the uh, people are gracious enough to give us their time and hop on this thing. We've got a couple yeah. more coming out next season. I think we're probably, that's going to be a theme. We're going to, we're going to ramp that up uh, a little bit. Um, but rather than doing that, it's like, hey, let's just have a conversation. You know, let's talk about these topics. Um, want your take on it. And then just have a natural organic conversation into what's going on and, and what they're, experience and what their thoughts are on it. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. You realize that we're, we're taking the lazy way out because then we're not doing research on the person. It literally could be a person off the street that just joins our conversation. It doesn't matter. We just need someone else there to kind of have a buffer between you and I. 
Hey, well, let's be honest. We, nobody wants to think. We just want to be entertained. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> if you if you hop on a podcast, and I think partially partially this is probably our own experiences with podcasts. Like when you listen to a podcast, you're not doing it in a work frame of mind, right? Like I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to listen to a podcast when I'm driving. I'm going to do it when I'm walking somewhere with the dog or something like that. And I'm not going to sit there and you know on my time be like, oh, okay, cool. This guy just jotted down. Five super important notes. Well, uh, let me let me take that back. Unless you're listening to um, Tim Ferriss, you know, <laughs> where where people <laughs> truly believe that uh, causation is correlation, and and they're gonna shove four activated walnuts in their ear at six thirty seven precisely every morning, and and walk on a bed of nails, and they're gonna turn into uh, a superstar. Yeah, there might be some people that are, are looking for like practical advice when they're gonna jot down the notes. But for the most part, like you're walking along, listening to a podcast, you just kind of want to be entertained, right? And maybe take a few things or think about how you would interpret these things um, and be, number one, just kind of be entertained, right? I, I think that's probably at least 50% of it. I mean, for us, that's probably almost 80%. I mean, it's a lot. At the very least, you and I are entertained by, um, you know, our banter and how we uh, our different views on certain things or the creative ways I can think of to, uh, to mock you and your life. That's always, uh, you done good. That's, that's also, fun for me. <laughs> also a preview in the next season that will carry over <laughs> with, with emphasis. I hope with um, gusto, with gusto. Shane did insults. a good job. Uh, Cyrus, people <laughs> just seem to fall right into this mold that you've set. Yeah. of making fun of me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> gotta say some really good sound bites out of season one for, uh, for, Kicking me in the ground while I'm squirming. Appreciate it. It's uh, always fun. Always fun. So um, it's not all going to be um, uh, retrospective here. We actually, we had a couple of things we wanted to uh, to focus on. Um, what's, uh, what's, the law is apparently looking for Jeff now with the silent in the background. <laughs> I'm, I'm in, um, uh, yeah, actually, you know what? No, no, don't even explain it. Don't even explain it. Just let people's <laughs> imaginations run wild. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know where you are. I don't want to know what you're doing. All I know is you're hiding from the cops. Yeah, I'm on have a, the time to do this podcast. I'm on a. Bur- I'm actually on a burner phone right now. You're on a burner. <laughs> Calling you. Uh, I'm in Sri Lanka. <laughs> I'll never miss above the fold, man. <laughs> you always find me somewhere. Got my mic. Maybe that season. That season three. The more exotic places you and I can go to and still record. Um, that'll be a challenge. <laughs> Maybe for future us. You know what? This is a good way to segue into uh, into the first topic. Um, so why don't we why don't we do that? We typically go into the news, try to figure out what's going on. And interestingly enough, it was something interesting that happened this this week with Google CEO uh, Sunar Pichai test, uh, testifying in front of Congress. Um, I I forgot this was going to happen. It's, it's funny that it's happening this week during uh, our season one finale. And it was interesting to have Congress question um, Pichai on, you know, data, on security, on privacy, and also on some other basic search questions. Um, it's three hours long. If anyone's curious, you can look it up on YouTube. God, off really? C-SPAN. Three hours? The whole thing is three hours and 40 minutes long. To be fair, the first 40 minutes are like intros, and there's a good five or six minute thing about one of the congressmen. Um bidding goodbye to one of his aides or whatever. I mean, that, and then everyone claps. 
I still can't believe I watched that part of it. But if people just want to get to the meat, you should probably start at around 40 minutes. That's when it at least starts. Um, How much did you listen to? And then it goes to? off beyond that. I listened to like almost two hours, two, maybe two Oof. and a half, actually. So I had like an hour left. I had an if hour left of this, uh, of this show. If it's anything like the, uh, if it's anything like the articles and the transcripts that I read, um, painful, <laughs> just ex excruciating. There's, there's really so much to unpack here. Um, anybody that's familiar with it, well, can you give us a give us a little bit of background on like why did this happen? Why the hell is Congress talking to Google? Well, fear, honestly. I mean, Congress. I mean, you can you can go back to how they brought in Zuckerberg for Facebook, but basically, Congress. Had Very similar. About, the parallels yeah. there are. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah. It, it's it's almost like um, one just followed the other one. It's like a saga of ineptitude. Anyways, go on, go on. Yeah, right. But I think I mean I, I I think it was mainly fear. There they wanted to inquire as to what Google, how Google was collecting data. They were concerned about privacy. One of the bigger things, the bigger themes coming out of it was China and whether or not um, Dragonfly was a China and drive. You know, the, the <laughs> I can't, every time I hear it now, I just <laughs> that's all you go to. <laughs> I just got Trump's voice. Shane, <laughs> I think you're hearing Alec Baldwin do Trump. And that's what you're, what's coming through your mind. I might be. <laughs> I might be. Um, Died in the new Mission Impossible. Spoiler alert. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Sorry. Come on. Sorry. Just ruined my vacation. Come on. Um, <laughs> anyway, China was part of it. Um uh, data privacy, uh, understanding how search works was kind of part of it. Um, understanding um, how much data is collected from from individuals. I think um, what it sounded like was the government was kind of trying to give, well, allegedly, you know, hey, Google, you should, you know, write the ship because we don't want to relegate you. But if we do relegate you, you're not going to like it. I think one congressman actually said that. And so that was like at least part of the theme of Pichai testifying in front of in front of congress did you watch any of this jeff or are you just reading the articles uh no i, I saw a couple sound clips um I, I think the most prominent one that everybody saw was the one where they were asking pachai it's pachai right that's it pachai, yeah. yeah yeah they were asking pachai if uh the, the, if google can track them while walking around the room like, can you track me now? Can you track me now? And then another another statement slash accusation was, uh, you've never, uh, is it true that you have never prosecuted or you've never punished anybody for, was it doctoring data or, or manipulating oh, search manipulating, results? Manipulating the search, yeah, yeah. Which, which is completely loaded. And uh, anybody that knows anything knows that there's no dude in the back room just sorting articles, tearing up the ones he doesn't like, and then putting the ones he does like forward. That's... That's absolutely absurd. But however, this this person seemed to assume that that was the case and was only going to accept a yes, we have never punished anybody for doing that answer rather than what the actual answer is. And it's that doesn't exist. That's that's not a thing. That's not the way Google's algorithm works. So this, this whole thing was just like it was a very elaborate exercise in Congress showing how inept they are and how behind they are. Uh, in the times, like just how technologically ignorant they are. And coupling that, it, it's almost impressive the level of arrogance that they that they just like bolt on top of this ineptitude with this these accusations and this um, just this uh, really, really 
confident thinking that they understand the way these things work when they really have no clue how these things work, which is really frustrating because they're there to represent us in theory, right? I mean, this was the original idea. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but the original idea was they're there to represent <laughs> us. And if you have a representative that is not up to date with technology, with the rate that we're using technology and how pervasive it is, you are not a representative anymore. You no longer can fill your chair as far as I'm concerned. Um, you need to be up to date on this stuff or you shouldn't be representing us, period. Or and someone on your staff should be able to at least explain it to you so you can have you know, yeah. like questions and, and so on. How is it that there was nobody up there whispering in their ear like, hey, you kind of sound like you don't know what you're talking about or hey, <laughs> you know, just somebody, somebody kicking somebody into the table like, hey, you sound like an idiot kind of thing. That never, that never happened during any of this. And it, it just goes all the way back to the uh, the Mark Zuckerberg interrogation. Or they're like, mm. so what does Facebook do? <laughs> you know, do you create anything? And Zuck's like, we do ads. And the guy's like, just blank sheet, like dead eyes. Yeah. What do you create? Just like, it's just like brain shut down, restart. What do you create? <laughs> it's, it's almost, it's so odd, the level of arrogance. Uh, in light of not understanding, in the face of not understanding how this stuff works and just forcing their position into it. It was really, really discouraging, actually. So, let, I mean, the one thing I'll say is that, I mean, politics is theater, you know, it's televised and, you know, there are constituents allegedly behind these people. Um, you also have to consider the fact that it's it's also the communities that are kind of having those questions. Like, what what is this? What is the Google? What are you doing? I don't understand where is the person in that room who is looking at all the, all the searches and, and, and why can't we talk to him too? You know, I mean, it goes all the way back to how this season started where I said, you're the problem because no one understands everything in your head, that there has to be more education out there that people have to understand in general, kind of how this, how this works. I was shocked at how much people didn't know, or at least presented how they, how much they didn't know. Well, um, the, the problem that I have is the majority of people on most topics, I would say, except for, you know, deeply rooted beliefs and uh, you know, moral thing, religion, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People are less apt to listen to other opinions. But for the most part, on most topics, people are, are fairly open to learning things and uh, understanding new opinions. There was none of that. There was just this wall of I understand all this stuff when it couldn't be less true. Like these people were completely unreceptive and just kind of sitting stonewalling with their, uh, with their ineptitude, which is almost impressive. I'd, I've never seen anything like that. It was really head scratching. So, I mean, you said, you said people, but that, that's like person to person, even person to like smaller group. Keep in mind that wasn't, that wasn't a small group to you. That's a, that's a mob mentality. You know, that's a massive a massive mob <laughs> up against, you know, talking to Pachai. And that's a different element. Well, it's even more shocking that well, that, many, yeah, that many people are so out of touch. It's both partly it's out of touch, but it's partly like they're, they're, they're also positioning, you know, they're trying to like maybe even get hurt or be, have a different perception uh, of, of themselves and so on. There's a reason why in journalism, there's, there's the questions you ask during the press conference 
And sometimes that's for theater too. And then there's the questions you ask in the closed one-on-one interview. And they're not always, they can't be the same. The, yeah. the press conference are like almost grenades you're launching. It's some, you know, in the most like whatever, sometimes you're launching grenades and saying, well, this just came in. I heard about this. What, what's, what's going on there? Whereas the one-on-one interview, there's different things. There's dramatic pauses. There's a way to kind of pull information out of someone. Just the approach is different. Same thing with this testimony. I mean, you're not going to be asking pointed or very intelligent questions all the time. Sometimes you're just doing it for show. I, I would argue the guy yelling about, are you tracking me? I don't know. I want to say that isn't exactly how we feel. I would hope that he kind of understands, but. Well, I, th- I think we can both agree. Like topic one, there's an advanced level of ineptitude without. Yeah. Yeah. Without any real self-reflection, without any uh, <laughs> without any self-awareness of it, just devoid of self-awareness and ineptitude. So I think that's one part of it. But you raise another good part of it, which was posturing and angling, which was pro- that might have taken center stage. That might have been a prominent role in these discussions of and, and really a, a huge missed opportunity. But this whole thing was all the efforts spent on posturing um, and angling themselves, right? Let's, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit because you had the two parties, you had uh, Republicans and Democrats really just trying to get their their two cents in and trying to one-upsmanship mm-hmm. the other um, yeah. at the expense of a good conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all right. Well, we should also make it known that the format of this is also odd because it goes, there's a, there's a, you know, there's the chair and the chair recognizes certain uh, uh, certain people from different states. I honestly don't know how they do that. Or I don't know if that order is already mapped out or if it's random. But either way, chair recognizes someone and they recognize them for five minutes. And that means that person can only talk for five minutes. And that five minutes includes um, the, the question being uh, being said as well as the chai's answer. That That's wrapped up in the whole five minutes. There's no like. The second I stop talking, the clock starts. The second you're recognized, the clock starts. And then, you know, it's like the jump. It's like the the, uh, the shot clock. you got that much time. Yeah. And if you don't shoot it off in time, you're out. It's got to switch to the next person. So already it's not, it's hardly a conversation. It is very much, it's already kind of built and formatted as a mob mentality. I have five minutes right now. And the most annoying thing is when people did mo- use most of that time to posture. You know, yeah. I'm going to spend two minutes, two and a half minutes talking about everything I know about Google. And by the way, you know, what's up with China? And that, then there's like 30 seconds left. China. Interestingly enough, they would also ask questions and Pachai would take up time um, knowing full well that he's got five minutes and then he could just go right. on about something, you know, in general. Occasionally he was interrupted, but it's, it was, it's such a weird format in general. You know, it's hardly a conversation. It is very much like grenades getting thrown around all over the room. <laughs> Except they're not getting thrown directly at each other. They're getting no, thrown yeah. You're right. at, you know? <laughs> they're getting thrown at each other via Pachai. It's like, it's like a hot potato. They throw him a grenade to throw. Yeah. It's almost like mommy fighting a daddy through their kid. <laughs> uh, or maybe like a food fight. It's probably more like a food fight. And some of the food is stinky. Some of the food is uh, <laughs> off the grill, hot off yeah. the grill, you know, and you have no idea what's going to hit who and how hard and, and so Arguably um, like one of the least effective formats possible for, for discussing one of these topics. Yeah. And it's televised. So, if, I mean, if anything, it probably needs announcers and color men, you know, color women <laughs> talking about like, whoa, Pichai just dodged that one. That was insane. We need Joe Buck. 
<laughs> Who did Joe Buck Finally. play by playing this thing? That that would make it. There's a place about. for Joe Buck on C-SPAN. That's where Joe Buck's retirement. That's where he, that's where he should go now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna petition for that, man. Sign me up. <laughs> Legitimately, I would watch more C-SPAN if I had more opportunity to mock Joe Buck. Absolutely. And maybe, you know what? I say that maybe the guy would be a natural at calling Congress. You know, maybe that's where we need him. Joe Buck and uh and, and Troy Aikman just somehow putting yeah. those two guys together and seeing what happens. I would t- with all of his biases. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it as it is. <laughs> what was that? I don't understand any of the words that just came out of that person's mouth. I don't know. I want it all. I want it all. <laughs> but but um I think I think we should talk about this missed opportunity because there is there's a lot of good conversation and a lot of good questions that we should be asking Google, right? Like the data privacy thing. Um, we need competent people asking very pointed questions about this and we need straightforward answers. This is, this is an opportunity to create a, a real conversation about what is Google doing with data? This is a real conversation to open um, to what are they doing in China? Like uh, <laughs> he was just gonna, he was gonna, he was gonna parry that no matter what, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It was a real, it was a real opportunity to talk about if there are any um, coded in biases in their algorithm, right? Um, and yeah, we we joked about how the, how the fact is that there is no dude or woman in the back room just sorting through. Uh, different types, different toned articles towards the left and the right and scrapping the ones that he wants all willy-nilly. Uh, that doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, and, and we were making a case that there is an algorithm that is uh, it's supposedly uh, unbiased. Uh, the algorithm is supposed to exist on its own uh, without any sort of interference, uh, right? Um, however, that's the, anybody... That's the and we talked about this before the show. Anybody that's... Um, pretty well read on, on AI um, is concerned about how we create an AI that's going to have morals and how it's going to um, not have biases because it is absolutely possible to code in biases. Um, it's as- absolutely possible to code in morals. And the issues with this uh, are that uh, they are inherently morals or are, are, are inherently subjective. Right? Like mm. you might agree that eating people is a bad idea for a culture. Um, some other cultures uh, may not agree with that. They may think that eating people is perfectly reasonable. And hey, you know what? That's that's probably uh, a polite thing to do. Yeah, obviously, it's ext- <laughs> there's nobody out there eating people. I don't think there's anybody eating people still. There's but always the people eating people somewhere, man. Come on, <laughs> this is the world. God, I hope so. You know. <laughs> But that's 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 the point. This is a subjective. Ethics are a subjective thing, and they're an evolving thing. So what we think today is ethical and moral um, in five years is going to be completely different. Uh, Ten years ago, we had it on the ballot for uh, gay marriage to be mm. legal. Um, yeah. It got. I, th- I think maybe ten years ago, it got shot down uh, because at the time we thought morally, ethically, it wasn't right as a country. Right? At least this was in California. Um, and then five years later, got approved. So that's a very good example of how our morals and our ethics evolve. Now, how do you code that into an AI? 
how do you co- code that so that it's able to self-correct based on what we predict, like how we predict our morals are going to evolve, um, how our biases are going to evolve. That's a that's a problem. And that's like that's a problem that needs to be discussed because Google is going to be as far as as far as I can see, unless DuckDuckDo t- t- takes over, takes any yeah. market share, they're going to be a prominent player. They're going to be the number one data uh, houser store in the universe. Um, and they're going to be producing the majority of the knowledge, right? They're going to be producing the majority of the knowledge that people are reading. So if there is a coded in bias, if there's like coded in morals and they decide that the the algorithm should be a little bit left-leaning or should be a little bit right-leaning, it's going to reflect in the results and it's probably going to reflect in how we view the world. So I think this is a very important conversation um, that's totally getting missed. I, I, I agree because- Am I five uh, minutes up? I think I just yeah, five minutes. Yeah, it was well, well up. Wait, well, I mean, wait, 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 wait. And by yeah. the way, because I'm from the state of California, I want, no, the- um, of all, they have the head start, the amount of data they have. And that was the biggest thing. Let's be honest. When, when you asked, why did this happen? And I jokingly said fear. Honestly, that is the root of it. Because at, at its core, no one understands two things. One, how the algorithm works. Nobody does. We're never going to find that out. Let's just be honest. Um, right. And then two, we, we all understand they collect data. We don't know where it goes. We don't know how it gets used. We have ideas of how it gets used, but we don't have definitive proof. This goes back to the Rumsfeldian thing of like, there are known unknowns, there are known knowns, and then there's unknown unknowns. And it's the, it's all that other stuff that we don't know, we're getting, we're, we're, we're coloring in with every sci-fi movie we've ever seen, everything that has had the robots rise up, or how could they, how could this happen? And, you know, everything gets mushed into, into one judgment day, and that's where, our, that's where my mind goes, you know that. Because we have no we have no definitive answer as to what is going on. All we know is that there is a company that can collect data from everybody if they so choose. Because Bichai made that very clear. This is their choice. They can opt in or have to opt out. The argument is that, well, some people have no idea that's an even an option. Either way, they, they're collecting all this data. And then with that data, we also don't have any idea where that data is going to. If you could be could be going to China, it could be going into a device, it could be going into a car. Maybe it goes nowhere. Maybe it literally it's just getting curated in this massive digital library um, where no one looks at it. You know, someone passes it around the hall and no one even looks at the server room. I don't know, but that's that's the the thing, the fear that's kind of that's yeah. kind of bubbling up. A, a fear of the unknown. It's like yeah. we're not allowed a, a a look underneath the hood. We we can't. We can't see how the sausage is made. We just have to eat it, which is, it's an uncomfortable thing. I just had food poisoning a couple of days ago. So I <laughs> I don't know how that analogy just, just popped up, but um, it, it didn't help things. Well, it might explain all the, the comments about people eating people and now the sausage being made. So um, might be, this have, might be some have, yeah. subconscious <laughs> aversion to you have uh, food on the mind, tainted, tainted meat. Yeah. We're a rough couple of days. From what you said before about like how, you know, um, how, how do we teach an AI morals or how do they get, you know, how did, how did they, how did they evolve? I mean, I, th- I think we all, we all assume that if and whenever this happens, probably when this happens, you know, the idea is that it's coded in, you know, that somehow the machine will understand and they will have 
the right and wrong in their mind. But Jeff, you also made the point with the uh, with, with gay marriage that whatever we think is right today may not be right five, ten years from now, and that we as a species all have always had to evolve our minds. And in some cases, some don't, and in some other cases, some do. And then certain ideas get passed on. The ideas that we had in the 1930s are going to be the different from the ideas that we have in, in 2030s. So going back to the idea of how do you code that in, I don't think you code morals because, or you don't code the right and wrong because the right and wrong can change. Somehow you have to be able to have a robot or an AI that can learn from the mistake, that can have, that can go through what a human does and kind of look back and say, you know what, based on what I understand, based on a weird way how this feels and making taking context of the situation, that there is wrong. And we shouldn't do that anymore. I think that's the only way this works. Yeah. I, so you're describing a, an AI system that's that's impartial and cold um, and it has no, uh, there's, there's no agenda really, no. right? Um, yeah. Which, which is like the, basically the argument that they're making Google's algorithm is. And they, another example that they used is, how come when I search the word idiot, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump's image yeah. comes up? Well, what their argument basically is that Google's algorithm is, is a mirror of society, right? Like it's just going to parrot back to you what's happening and what it is that we're talking about, the things that we're feeling and the things that people are publishing online. So when you Google idiot and Donald Trump pops up, it's because the algorithm, uh, according to them, is unbiased and is mm -hmm. just a reflection of what people are writing and the things that thing people are publishing. So if a whole bunch of people are publishing pictures of Donald Trump, Trump and using the alt text idiot, then it's going to be new. So it's going to be relevant to the situation. And if a lot of people are doing it, then it's going to be popular. And so Google's algorithm is going to think that this is an appropriate response to that query. Is a uh, is is alt text like like alternative facts? Is that the same? <laughs> I can't say. Is that, that a joke? That. Yeah, that was absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> God, I was trying. I, thought, I was trying to be. I thought real, I was going to have to no. put you up on. I thought I was going to have to sign you up for Congress for a second. <laughs> no, wait, but wait, where do you put the alt text, Jeff? Where is the alt? Who decides the alt text? What does it do? I don't see it anywhere. <laughs> I see the picture. It doesn't feel like the alt text is right. Yeah. Right? Where where, where is this other, is there another dimension where alternative, ever, is there alt code? Where is this? I don't understand. I don't like it. True or false? Have you ever punished somebody for using <laughs> parallel text? <laughs> Wait, parallel text thing. Answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> like a parallel universe? Is that what we're talking about here? I yield, I yield the rest of my time to the gentleman from California to explain alt text. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you should explain alt text. Because oh, okay, you I'm actually sure, want me to explain I'm alt sure text, there's yes. people who don't know what that is. I'm laughing because I, I, there was an experience here at Brafton. We had, to, we had to all learn what alt text was almost immediately. But yeah, Jeff, for the uninitiated, what is alt text? Yeah, basically, basically for image search. Um, as of now, they're getting pretty close. Uh, Google's getting pretty good at figuring out like what an image is mm -hmm. just by looking at it. Um, it's very, very hard for machine learning 
to look at an image and tell you it's a puppy or a cat or a tennis racket. Right. I mean, if you think about it, the simplest things that we do are probably some of the hardest things for artificial intelligence programs, systems to do. So to look at something and say that's a puppy, it's very, very, very difficult to build uh, an AI that can do that. Uh, to have an AI do something that we would find very complicated, like find the fastest route to uh, Belgium from London, eight hours, it's going to calculate it down to the precise turn that you need to take to get there. It would take a group of 100 humans crunching numbers at insane rates to be able to do that kind of thing. Well, that, that's that's wildly exaggerated, but I get your point. <laughs> Probably not, actually. 100 think humans about the, to figure out the fastest way from London to... Come on, man. In, it's not going to take in, 100 How long does it take? Two seconds for Google I to calculate? Know. You and I can millions, do that in maybe a good uh, 10 minutes. It's calculating millions of different scenarios. <laughs> you asked me a question, you're arguing with the answer, <laughs> mister. All right, sit down, Congress. <laughs> this is my let's, my five minutes. <laughs> let's just say this. Let's just say this. In the ins, I can tell you exactly um, what goes wrong with Altex. If, uh, if if there's an image um, that for whatever reason can't appear on a website, what it will appear is whatever is in the alt text. Oh, why because, do you know that, Francis? Do you want oh, to talk the, about that? I don't want to talk about that at all. I just want to say oh. I know it can happen, and okay. whatever you put in that alt text. <laughs> will emerge and on that published site. And let's just say it is a picture about puppies, but the alt text says something else. Well, guess what? Yeah, That's, perhaps yeah. Some, something something not relevant to puppies, something that may even be offensive. I don't know. That's what will happen if the image Either doesn't way. appear. If That's it's broken. Either way, magic behind is, alt text. <laughs> kind of goes back to the beginnings of search engine optimization. Google needs some written language to understand what an image is about because it can't recognize a picture of a puppy, know that it's a puppy. Mm. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. It, it will at some point, but it needs some sort of text to tell it. So that's that's why we use alt text. Which again, going back to kind of like talking about the questions and talking about what was going on, that that whole conversation with you and I talking about alt text, funny. I, you know, it's always funny when we, when we talk about <laughs> stuff like that, but it kind of reveals just how intricate the code has to be to be able to, to, to go through all the data, to even talk about search results. Going back to the idea of having a guy or a girl in a room with a visor and like you described, you know, smoking and trying to say like, this this is the good search result and this is the one that's going to be number five. I choose you to be number five. That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't work that way. You know, there's an element of this that um, we will not understand because we're not being told. But even just the basic stuff like image search is complicated enough where right. you have to kind of you know lead the system to where you want it to go which again i don't think that came across very well in congress you could argue it never will uh going back to political theater and everything like that i i think the uh the basis of this though the the questions that should have been asked talking about data security how is data used even even diving even further into the future like with all the data what is what well, then what is possible forget about advertising and forget about tracking and forget about, you know, knowing if I'm at my desk or if I'm, you know, downstairs at the bar. But what do you do with all that data? What is possible with all that data? Which is more sci-fi, you know, fantasy talk. But I think that's a question in my mind. Like you have all this data, you have mountains of it. What are you going to do with it? What could you do with it? You know, how, how would it improve human life? How could it affect it ne negatively? Because there's always a positive and negative of these things. 
I don't know. I mean, I think that's something I'm both like curious and terrified about at the same time. Well, if you imagine if they're if they are putting this data to use, they can learn volumes about human behavior and patterns. And I mean, just you could probably down to the what time of day are people like optimal? What time are they most mm. productive? Um, what types of things do they search when they're most productive? I mean, you would be able to, with the amount of data, you'd be able to so easily, even this, the weakest data scientist would be able to establish patterns and they'd be able to learn so much about behavior that mm. I think the first thing that comes to mind is you'd be able to market to them in an insane way, like an incredibly pervasive way. And it, it seems that like, Every time some new technology comes out, especially around machine learning, AI, um, it's going to go towards uh, marketing, advertising, because that's where the revenue is, right? Mm -hmm. no, nobody's dumping yeah. a shitload of money into uh, AI programs to learn about something that's potentially not going to make billions of dollars, right? So it's unfortunate, but I mean, people don't have spare money to throw at fun ideas. So generally, I think it's just <laughs> going to move towards like the amount of data that they have. I, I think probably first places that you're ever going to see emerge from these data collection and, and related artificial intelligence programs, it's always going to manifest in some sort of advertising, I think. I agree. Or government that, programs. That's where I was, Military. That's, that's the next place I was going to go to because you, uh, if you're going to sell it, you know, the military, the government's going to, because it's not, so, if you can, if you can find patterns, it actually means you can predict certain things and maybe not to, you know, a hundred percent, but you know, someone making a prediction or an AI making a prediction that's 99.9, .9, whatever accurate, that's very helpful for a number of different scenarios. I mean, I'm kind of describing minority report right now with the, with the precogs in the sense that due to certain behaviors or whatever, or tone of voice, whatever it might be, human behaviors, you know, we, you could technically, in theory, predict when a crime is about to happen. Um, maybe even a week before it happens, you know, and maybe you don't do the thing where you're arresting innocent people, but yeah. maybe you're monitoring. Maybe you suddenly, you're focusing your, your resources on a specific corner of the world and waiting just to see if something happens and then stepping in right at the right moment. I don't know, but I, I agree, no matter what it is, it's gonna be either knowledge or money, a mixture of both. And I think you're right, it will be advertising, but I think before that, um, before marketing happens, if this if this does happen and, and patterns can emerge, it's gonna be a military thing, man. Yeah, and, and what kind of obligations do we have as a species if we if Google has uncovered this, this pattern where with 99.9% .9 confidence, if people search these particular phrases in a certain order are mm. going to uh, is going to result in, uh, say, a homicide or a robbery or something like yeah. that. We know with ninety nine point nine percent certainty that every time this combination of things happens, uh, results in a crime, right? So somebody, right? Somebody searches shovel, lime, desert, right? <laughs> That's a very simplified <laughs> version. So. Uh, uh, I think lie is enough. I don't think you need this Google shovel. I'm pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a two. It's a two step. Yeah, you can draw conclusions. Very quick conclusions from this. <laughs> 
but but do they have a moral obligation to to look into that data and to alert people, or do we not want that pervasive element in our society? I don't know. There's a lot of questions that that should be asked. However, we spent ninety nine percent of this whole hearing posturing and just showing how little we know about how any of the, how the most basic elements of any of this stuff works by the people that are supposed to know the most about it because they're making judgments about it. They're the ones that are going to be affecting outcomes, right? So it, it, it scares me because this technology is evolving, not at a linear rate, but at an exponential rate. And We've got people that are working at a flat rate. They're stuck in 2000. Not maybe that's generous. Maybe they're stuck in GeoCities, 1995. <laughs> and if they're not uh, speeding up their uh, their knowledge, uh, their understanding of this stuff, then they're already behind. But they're flatlined. You know, um, so it's it's scary that uh, that that's what's that's what's happening and we're, and we're not catching up. I'm afraid that we're not going to catch up and that things are going to happen. And we didn't have people in place to the right checks and balances by competent people to, you know, get things right. I mean, I, I, I agree with most of what you said, except the part about the people making the decisions are meant to be like the most, no, they're not, they're voted into those positions. They're not voted in because of their technological knowledge or anything like that. They're voted in because they affected a certain community that's fair and, you know like yeah. they're not they're, they're they're not meant to be experts in, in technology they are meant to have a staff or they are meant to at least get educate themselves into something that that whatever but like the government always is the last to kind of catch up you know i mean they it's going to be outside organizations first it's going to be a watchdog group that does all this that the kind of uh, that jumps to it as opposed to congress setting the tone congress doesn't set the tone congress kind of like it states the obvious you know, by the way, gay marriage, thumbs up. Rap, great. We've known that for like 50 years, but thank you for joining the party. It's always going to be, they're always going to be the last ones there. At the very least, get somebody in there, some sort of advisor to, to coach and to educate these people before they have these conversations. Just, just help them not look like idiots at the very least. That's all I ask. It sounds like maybe part of season two is that you create a special pamphlet or maybe you go, maybe it's Jeff Baker goes to Washington to explain <laughs> okay. Google search. That's what, that's the dream right now. That's what you have to do. <laughs> you can yeah. be the guy yelling at the cloud uh, in front of the, in front of the stairs. And uh, what the hell is this, what the hell is this bearded guy standing outside the white house <laughs> shouting? It's data. It's all data. Why don't you understand me? I'd love it. Black bagged, never heard from again, uh, and then flash forward to me in Sri Lanka podcasting. Yep, yep. on a burner. Um, with that, let's let's end this. Uh, let's end this topic and let's uh, move on to topic two. Topic two of our uh, our season one finale. Um, honestly, now we're getting into kind of like you know just the uh, the filler topics or whatever. But honestly, it's it's something that. No filler. There's no filler here. It's all it me. It bugs me. It bugs me every single year at this time when we see the stories about the trends to watch out for for the following year. You know, 20, 2012 is going to be blah, blah, blah. 2013. These are the three things that you need to. I mean, it's pervasive. Um, 
And it's happening again, you know, content marketing trends for 2019, what you need to understand about digital marketing for the next six months. It's always, it's always there. And it's just flood. I feel like now it's just happens faster. You know, it's not more intelligent or not more, I don't get any deeper insight into it. It's just more of it and faster right in my, right in my face. (laughs) Out of every one of those top 10 lists, like one of those actually draws some, some useful insight. Uh, Most of them are just like, Content's going to be more important. Strategy is going to be a big thing next year. It's like, what the yeah. hell, man? You just, you just wrote half of them right there. That's half of them. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that was that was half of them, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think the truth comes down to um, a lot of these people don't know. It's it, mm. we're fortune telling here, right? Yeah. Um, based on based on past knowledge, so we're looking at past knowledge to predict the future, which we always know is a. It's a really, really bad predictor of the future. Most of the things that, unless you're some some strange angel sent from a different dimension, you know, like <laughs> if you're an Elon Musk, right? Or if you're a George Orwell who, who had some strange clairvoyant powers. You don't know. And most of these people in marketing, I don't know. Uh, you probably don't know. No. But, I have ideas or fears, but uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah. I think... Um, I will say this. Let me just say this as a trend or something that I think, um, and I don't know, maybe it's because you had introduced that app called TikTok to me a couple months or a couple weeks back. The, you know, the hottest social media thing now. Yeah, Vine version two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. Ever since you told me about it, I downloaded that thing. And I, every day, I end up watching videos on that. Uh, If I have have five, 10 minutes to wait for the next bus that takes me home, I'm on TikTok just watching whatever (laughs) I want. Um, I haven't even opened it up since we talked about it. Is it really worth the time? Dive dive in. I I don't know. I can't tell you if it's worth the time. But here's what I can tell you is that I'm intrigued by almost everything I see there. And I end up spending... Uh, the legit, I end up spending 10 minutes sometimes just watching these videos. And part of it is, I was thinking about this the other night. Part of it is like chat roulette where I honestly don't know what's going to happen next. So I, I keep, and it's only 15 seconds. If I don't like something, I flip up and it, you know, something different. Yeah. The other thing though, is that sometimes I do know what to expect because part of TikTok is when people lip sync and they're lip syncing songs or lip syncing dialogue from movies or shows or whatever it might be. And I already know, you know, oh, this is that dialogue from that show that everyone does. But then suddenly it's two different people doing it or another person doing it. And then they have a different take on it in a weird way. It, it's kind of like um, a very microcosm of the reboot culture that we have with entertainment, where we hear that phrase or the dialogue again. And we already know it's Jim and Pam from The Office, but suddenly it's two other mm. people saying that same dialogue. And I get both the thrill of hearing that dialogue again, as well as the curiosity of like, oh, it's something different. Someone else is trying yeah. this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. All I'm getting at is that while I'm not going to say definitively TikTok is going to be the trend of 2019 or something, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it'll die out or, you know, it'll it'll merge into something, or whatever it might be. But I will say this. There is something with those types of videos or whatever I'm engaged with in, t- in TikTok that I think is going to have a ripple effect. I think whatever I'm witnessing on TikTok, the fact that I'm spending 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes of a day of just random video watching on this on this stupid app that each video is about 15 seconds long, there's something there. And I don't know what it is. 
I don't know if it's like the combination of the lip sync or the fact that some of these are truly creative in 15 seconds because you know how some vines were crazy creative. I don't know what it is, but from a creative standpoint, I, I, am seeing, I have seen more creative stuff on TikTok than I have on, that I ever did on Vine, that I have on YouTube. And it's, it's cross-cultural at this point. I'm not even just seeing, you know, uh, American like kids from the United States. I'm seeing stuff from the Middle East, from, from South America, from Japan. From Ch- I mean, it's all over the place. You do recognize um, the irony of the fact that we just said uh, trend predictions are all bullshit. And then you I just know. came up with your own <laughs> right I on the tail of that. But to be fair, I'm not, it's hardly a trend in the sense that I'm saying this is going to be the thing and all marketers should do something like TikTok. All I'm saying is that in the past couple of months, you like I've it. been I've been slightly obsessed with TikTok, and if I'm obs- if I'm obsessed with TikTok and I'm hardly the audience for it, but it's engaging me. If something new is engaging me, that is something. And I'm not saying it's TikTok, and I'm not saying it's um, that's the thing that marketers like. I'm not saying marketers should go into TikTok and suddenly use that, but there's something in the way those videos are created that makes it engaging. What about video games? What about Red Dead Redemption? Is that still engaging you? Oh, you're just baiting me, man. Of course it's in, it's engaging. I'm still... I wasn't sure. I, don't, I, I didn't know if it had a, a, a shelf life or not. You know, it's, it's, it's two months in. Some people just play the hell out of a game for two months and then they're like, okay, I'm, I'm done. But it seems like this is like such an, an immersive Westworld type of scenario yeah, where it's, yeah. it's endless endless possibilities. It's, it's like watching a movie. I don't even like playing it. I just like watching people play it. Because it's just, it's so cinematic. And um, and I, I really, really do like the cinematic mode where people run their horse into stuff. That's, it, is, it is really, really entertaining. We, we released one in the show notes uh, last week or the week before. It was a really, really good one. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, check, out, check out the uh, cinematic mode fail that we released in the show notes from the last week or two. I keep meaning to record one of them that I do for you. And I just, I, I, I haven't gotten around to it yet, but um, yeah, I'm submersive. Yeah. Immersive. And I love that game. And the funny thing is, and there have been stories about it. Like a lot of people have actually started to ignore the story. So this, it's an open world. You can explore the hell out of it, but there's also the story, you know, you're, you're part of a criminal gang and there's certain missions you have to do. And so on. That being said, you, you aren't forced to do those missions. I can stop doing missions and just explore the hell out of the world and I can hunt a bear or I can do some treasure hunting or I can go you from can one dogs. side of the map to the other. I can pet dogs. Um, but here's the interesting thing, though, because you mentioned Westworld. It's exactly like it's it it's shares Westworld like chromosomes because each character in, in Red Dead Redemption has their own like purpose. There's actually another video where someone started following like the side characters, like the... Uh, the robot, the AI characters of the game. And you know how, like, sometimes you'll see, like, someone, oh, they're just going down the street, they'll stop and probably turn around. No. There's a, like, if someone will go down the street, they'll do their job, then they go home, they have a drink, and then they go to the, like, there's a whole plot just for that one side character. You don't control him or her at all. But they're part of that world, and in that world, they are meant, I'm going to go work in the bar, and I'm going to have whiskey, and then I'm going to go out to the bar and, and have some drinks with the good old boys. And I'm going to pass out on my couch. And then the next day I'm going to go to the grocery store. Like there's a whole other life that you could technically. So you can follow these, these extras around? Yeah, and basically. You can just, I will show you, I'll send you the videos. But some guy did it for like four or five different characters. And then he took notes as to what which ones, what they did and what their life was about. And he named them. Like 
I can't remember now, but one of them was like, um, you know, Farmer Joe or, you know, um, yeah. you know, Barmaid, whatever. And um, it was interesting how far in these characters were. Like they had legitimate lies in this digital world. Can you can you pester them and like pitch them on multi-level marketing schemes? And stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. You want the video game of like content marketing, like inbound content marketing to find out what's going on. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Why? Yeah. Console-based video games. How come they haven't introduced advertising into it, like in-game advertising? Wow, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I guess I also can't say if that hasn't happened because. So you've got Fortnite, right? Which I yeah. looked up their revenue numbers. Yeah, absolutely insane. This is a free game. Uh, I think everybody's seen somebody doing a stupid Fortnite dance over the last six months. Um, it's a free game. However, you pay for upgrades, so it's like a, a freemium type model. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars per month just off of that. Um, what if they introduce with it with the amount of eyeballs they've got? What if they just introduce product placement like they used to do back in um, back in movies? They, they still do it now, I'm sure, but I remember it was a lot more. It was a lot um, more obvious. Uh, it was a lot more obvious back back in early night. Top Gun. Remember the, the pre trailer <laughs> was the Pepsi. It's like a Pepsi oh, yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. They, they used to, it was a lot more obvious back then. I think it's a little bit more subtle now. Um, why aren't they doing that with these? It seems like there'd be so much revenue opportunity to just slip in some Nike slippers, some slippers, <laughs> some some Nike running shoes or something. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. It seems like a, a big opportunity with the amount of people that are playing these things. I think gamer culture wouldn't allow it. I think if, uh, if Fortnite they're did tribalistic, it, man, they're like, yeah, yeah. And I, I think if Fortnite did it, they lose everybody yeah. immediately. And all it takes is someone else to say, like, oh, I'll create Fortnite without any ads. And then suddenly that's the big thing. Like, I think I honestly think it's that like it's they they will they will be loyal up to a point. If they suddenly put advertising in the video games, I know personally, I won't even do it out of principle. I'll be like, what are you doing? That's my. And I think that's part of it too. That's my time. Like I love playing Red Dead Redemption. It's a way I like, I de-stress from the day. I, I escape. You know, I don't have to think about you, you know, or work. Mainly you in this podcast. Um, <laughs> Except for when I'm texting you, while you're interrupting your Red Dead. <laughs> exactly. So it's 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 a it's an escape. And then suddenly, if I'm in that escape, and then you know, there's an ad up for Marlboro or something else that maybe even is like cowboy themed. I'm going to think like, why that's now I'm, I feel like I'm part of this other, I'm back at work or something. And I don't want to do that. Uh, I have to assume that's part of it. Now. I also can't say if it hasn't happened yet either. Like there are a lot of different video games out there that I haven't played and it's absolutely possible. Someone's done it, but I have to imagine, you know, for, for games like that, they, they grab that many eyeballs and be it, you know, God of war or red dead or, um, you know, metal gear solid or, or whatever these other games might be. I have to imagine there would be a revolt. Uh, I just have to throw this out here before I forget. Play Battlefield Five, amazing. Battlefield Five, yeah, yeah. Play that. It's it's like the closest thing to. You ever listened to a Dan Carlin, uh, hardcore history podcast? No, I don't think so. Uh, do it at some point if okay. if you're into like any any sort of if you're into history at all. Uh, I, I recommend this to everybody. Anybody that's into history, or even if you're. You're not, even if you're, uh, you know, that student that hated history class and you slept <laughs> in the back of the class, whatever, shooting spitballs. Um, if you have ears that work, 
and you have a thing that can give you podcasts. Listen to this history podcast, please. From <laughs> Jeff Baker. That's right. Hardcore <laughs> history with Dan Carlin. Um, he's got this very cinematic voice. Okay. Uh, it almost sounds like a movie trailer voice type guy. So he he grabs he really grabs your attention and what would seem like a dry topic. Um, he grabs your attention and he he immerses you into this world of like World War One, World War Two, mm. stuff like that. And it really describes in such detail uh, the accounts and, and these these different battles and stuff. And goes through actual letters written by soldiers. Um, and it feels so immersive. And you play this game, Battlefield Five. Uh, it feels like that. It feels like you are immersed in this real battle. You're looking around and you're seeing people carrying out their own missions aside from you. You know, it's like it doesn't seem like they're just AI bots from back in Goldeneye running into a wall for five minutes straight. Uh, <laughs> pour one out for Goldeneye, by the way. Man, talk about setting a standard for video games. That was that was the benchmark. Goldeneye was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, man. I think it mainly because of the uh, the group mentality behind Goldeneye. Oh, yeah. Nobody can beat me at Goldeneye. Uh Oh, proximity mines. <laughs> yeah, I was. Proximity <laughs> mines. Nobody uh, could beat me at Goldeneye. Anyways, <laughs> veering veering wildly off topic. Play Battlefield. It's awesome. Okay. Noted. I'll add that to the list. And uh, if I ever get around to it, I'll let you know. I think let's go off to our last topic for season one. Um, I think we've we've we have veered wildly. Let's just jump right into that veer and not care about where we go. So here's topic three. Topic three is should be short, man. It's really just like, hey, it's the end, season one. Jeff, talk about a memorable moment from season one of uh, Above the Fold. What are you? Uh, what are you gonna take with you into this break uh, from season one? First thing that jumps out at me is your uh, your enthusiasm for this this. Uh, dystopian universe where I'm homeless and you're throwing change at me. It's it's not just the story. The story itself is good. The idea of me getting put out of work, sorry, backtracking for people that have not listened to the entire season. Um, that we, we've posed this scenario where AI has taken over SEO and I'm put out of a job permanently and, and supposedly I can't find any other work and I'm homeless on the street. Francis just happens to walk by me laughs chuckles maybe do people chuckle maybe a chortle a chortle a little bit yeah. yeah it's an evil with a with a side of evil uh yeah harumph I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that and you hawk a couple quarters at me so that i can uh, afford a subway sandwich um <laughs> and you just saunter off i guess that's that's the one thing that jumps out to me that and shane barker's peanut butter story <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that la- that uh that imprinted. That definitely imprinted on me a lot, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, and honestly, it's not it's not so much a story as it's something that happened. Uh, it's, it goes back to the, uh, I don't remember if it was episode five or six, but whatever one, uh, the, the failure one, where we had the recording and, um, <laughs> and then we lost recording it. that was not. Yeah, the recording that was not. And um, I mean, to set people up, so Jeff and I recorded something and as recorded, recorded an episode and we, we ended. And every time we stopped recording, we always kind of hang on the line a little bit, just kind of talk about the show. And I remember Jeff is, uh, there's a pause and Jeff goes, oh shit. Oh no. Oh, and then you, you explained to me like something had happened to the program and it didn't record. It didn't record. 
and it was gone. And and yeah. we had spent, and that was, it was in the beginning. Like we had had, you know, I want to say four episodes. It was probably the fifth one. And um, we had, we, we had felt like we were hitting a groove. We had felt like that was really good. I really felt comfortable finally on this thing. And you had said it was all gone. And I remember thinking <laughs> in that moment, like you were so despondent and like you were just raw. And I said, we had to get back on tape. I think let's make one. We have to make sure it worked. So if it wasn't your mic or was anything else, but then two, you were so raw in that moment in terms of like like just disappointed and like pissed. With, within and whatever. 18, 18 <laughs> seconds, I had made it to the fridge and downed three fifths of a beer. <laughs> Clocked. Oh, it was so bad. But honestly, I will call it now. I think that was a big turning point for us because. That was us. That that what ended up being another yeah. like half hour or thirty five minutes, whatever it was, I think was the basis of what this is now. You know, and um, it took that thing failing for us to get here. And for what it, that is the thing that I always remember. Like every, anytime we have a guest, anytime we 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 banter about robots or whatever it might be, I go back to that episode and I think about it because I do think. Had that not happened, I think this podcast would have ended up differently. I don't think we would, and maybe we would have ended in the same place, but I don't think we we would have gotten there as fast. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, kind of um, what do you call it? Butterfly flaps its wings. Earthquake, yeah, tsunami. Butterfly and, effect. Yeah, yeah. Butterfly effect. Butterfly what, effect with our uh, with our software. Like somebody <laughs> planted a bug in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. It's been, been a hell of an evolution. Um, well, a little preview into, uh, like I said, we're going to have some more guests. We've got uh, slated up uh, Andy Crestadina. I think most people in, in the industry are familiar with him. Um, Orbit Media He's going to be joining us in January. I don't know when that's going to come out. Um, super cool dude. Should be a, a fun conversation. Got uh, Nadia Koja uh, from Vengage. I saw her uh, perform. I saw her do a... Um, presentation at cm world um she's super cool too so i already got some pretty cool conversations slated up to go um for you for next season and uh should uh, <laughs> if if it's anything like the first season it's going to continue to evolve in in very strange and unpredictable ways <laughs> i hope it will too hey, hey, it will. get worse it's going to get worse <laughs> yeah it will the uh, de-evolution is, is will should be complete, and we will regress <laughs> into our lowest common denominator. <laughs> uh, I will. I will say that I think um, just to kind of bring it back to what we talked about here, um, the the Pichai testimony and thinking about Congress. I think that might be another thing I carry with me. Not as not as heavy as like the failure episode, but the fact that um, education and having people understand that having that baseline move up a little bit more, you know, where we don't have to kind of go through some of the basics of content marketing with everybody that everyone kind of just gets it maybe 10, 20% a little bit more. Our moms understand it 10, 20% a little bit more. I think, um, I think that's an optimistic hope that we can have into season two. Oh, we've had a, had a little uh, sparkle of light in that, in that category. My mom actually did, read a uh i had a moz post come out was yeah. it uh, two weeks ago yeah. she read it on her own no coaching understanding it it's done so, this is a big big step that's folks. huge that's humongous we got we got one down uh i should ironically uh, should send it to 
your mom should send it to my grandma. And if yeah. we uh, we check all those boxes, uh, we could probably hang them up and retire. We yeah, we can pack hang up, up our uh, respective microphones and <laughs> and uh, grab a drink and toast to the finer things. Yeah, yeah. to industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can walk right into the sunset, like in Red Dead Redemption, and just uh, just be our. You can retire in the woods and, and whittle your wood. Finally. Whatever you want to do. Eight people. And then I'll just uh, lose myself in video games and scotch. That's that'll that's what that's that's what'll what'll happen. Sounds and honestly, I we we talked about it too. I want the scotch episode to happen. Who knows when, but I, I think that'll be a hell of a lot of fun. Also probably a horrible show, but fun for us. <laughs> well, before we close out, I gotta I gotta mention something funny. Okay. Um, here in San Diego, they've got uh, dockless scooters you ever heard of those before no it's really odd and it just started <laughs> i mean this is months old this is maybe five six months old and all yeah. of a sudden people just woke up one morning and in a lot of uh well not a lot maybe there's like a half dozen major cities san diego included all of these scooters just showed up they're just everywhere all over the streets and it says written on them dollar to start and you download an app you scan it uh, through your app and it'll like activate that electric scooter and off you go. You just start riding a scooter around town. So you go like 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. Uh, pretty cool. Especially if you're like, you know, scooting around the, the gas lamp district, um, you know, having fun with your, with your friends and checking out some bars on a football Sunday, get wherever you're going, gets cars off the road. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Especially as somebody that's, I'm just living here for three weeks and I'm bailing. Um, pretty cool to get around. Not cool is uh, the lack of. I've almost died on these things. So like three out of every four of them have some weird bug in them. Like the brakes don't work. <laughs> I was going balls out down a hill at like twenty five miles an hour because there's no regulator on it. I'm like, okay, you know, normal to start to brake. Yeah. No brakes, and I just Fred Flintstone that thing and just like <laughs> feet down, skitching halfway into an intersection. Um, had some of them surge, uh, like, uh, uh, just back and forth. Had some where the accelerator stuck to the ground and you couldn't get it to stop. So I'm just going, there's like no regulations. They just dumped these, they're called, it's called bird. They just dumped these things all over town and you ride it and then you just get off wherever you're done riding and you just lock it and you're done. Like you don't go back to it. That's it. They just charge you based on it's like, it's like uh, 15 cents a minute, whatever. And nothing takes longer than 10 minutes to get to around here. Uh, so you just, they're scattered all over the place. And there's articles I just read, and maybe we'll send it out in the show notes. Um, there's problems because people, some people don't like these, I think. And they're finding these in lakes. <laughs> people just throw up. There's like, there's an article and pictures of these birds, like, in ponds and in uh, streams and people are just taking them and go, yeah, and they're just yeeting them over the sides of <laughs> over the sides of, of bridges and stuff. And, and a, I, I have to imagine a, moments of just pure, I'm a local rage. I hate these things. <laughs> yeah. And, and I can understand it because I'm, I'm like Bart Simpson in the opening scene on that thing. I'm a hazard. I'm a goddamn hazard. And you multiply that times a whole bunch of people. Uh, yeah, it's uh they're all over the place. And I lived in Oakland and apparently they're all over Oakland and Lake Merritt inside Lake Merritt now. Um, <laughs> apparently like to the tune of like six a day, people just hucking these things in the lake. 
um, leaking battery acid, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it, it's such a weird technolo- technology phenomenon that just popped up out of nowhere. Nobody asked for it. All of a sudden, just thousands of, of electric scooters all over the place with a bunch of morons that shouldn't be riding them, riding them without helmets with or without brakes. So, maybe, what, maybe what people ask for. I was so excited to talk about that, and I just <laughs> dumped that all on you. Just go ahead and respond to that. I was going to say two things. One, uh, maybe what people were asking for was to have something to throw into a lake, but needed the legitimate <laughs> rage. Like, I need something in the world that I'm going to hate enough that I want to pick up and throw into a lake because that's the feeling I want. Yeah, that's that's one thing. And then two, you were living the real life cinematic mode from Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> no, that's exactly what's happening. I was. I, I was. It's either no brakes or the accelerator sticks down, yeah. going downhill. Uh, the handlebars are about to fall off. That's happened a few times also. Um, you know, you have a, you have a couple uh, mimosas after. Don't recommend this, but to have a couple of mimosas on football Sunday. You hop on one of those things. If that thing isn't one hundred percent stable, you may have some serious issues on your hands. Um, I, <laughs> I think it's appropriate <laughs> that we close the show with the same way I opened it. Jeff, you're the problem. <laughs> you're, you're the problem here with technology. You and your mimosa <laughs> scooter driving ass. You are the issue, and we have to fix you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm probably one of the most responsible of the people throwing. I'm not throwing them in, in, That's what makes it in rivers <laughs> and I'm not ripping. I'm not cutting the brakes like some of these animals out here. Oh man. <laughs> uh, all right. Calling it. That's it. Thank you everyone for season one of above the fold powered by Brafton. Hell of a lot Thank of fun you. on this end. And, um, Look back at the back catalog during the break. We got 18 of these things. I'll be honest with you. Maybe start with one, then go right to the failure one and, kick it after that um the uh skip around it's uh, it does improve i promise or get worse depending on your point of view and um we'll uh we'll be back uh, for season two in january we'll come back at you same thing more guests and we do want to interact with our audience so we've yeah. gotten some we've got some really good notes uh we've got some clients that listen to this and they've written in or and or they've uh given feedback via account managers um we've had some uh some guests enjoy the show and have fun on it so yeah, write in. Uh, let us know what you think, topics that you want to talk about. Um, if you want to talk with us, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, open forum, folks. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the holidays. We'll see you next season. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.